0: No man is an island entire of itself. Every man is a piece of the continent, a part of the main. This is the opening line to a poem by John Donne, a 16th century British poet and cleric in the Church of England. No man is an island. We are all a part of the main. So often over the course of the last year, however, it's easy to have felt isolated like an island. Because we are social creatures, and even the most introverted, we need to be around in the presence of other people. But not only that, not only are we a part of the whole, but we are necessary. We are essential. The remainder of that poem goes on to talk about how when anyone dies, in some way, shape, or form, the poet is affected. In just the same way, everything we do impacts and is connected to one another. We are united and connected, whether we like to believe it or not. It's reassuring to know this, especially in this time. It's exciting to know and to, to look toward and forward to the possibilities of reengaging more and more people as we, God willing, continue to move in the right direction with regards to this pandemic here in this country. We'll pray for the people in India and South America, where it is particularly bad right now. But we also know, in the fact that we're not an island, the importance of our relationships. And another thing that this pandemic has exposed, in addition to just the struggles of loneliness and isolation, is also the fragility of our friendships. Frankly, too many of our friendships are based on utility and convenience. Utility in the sense is that we are with friends because we do these things together. And when we do those things, we are with those people. But when we don't do those things or when we stop doing those things, we stop being friends or stop being invested in other people's lives. It can get even worse, though. We can go utilitarian in the sense that we actually use other people. I only reach out to this person when I want to feel this way or feel that thing or do something with that person. Or we felt the sting of being on the other side of that, of being used. Not only do we have a lot of relationships that are based on utility, we have a lot that are based on convenience, and this is a natural part of humanity. We tend to be friends with the people to whom we are pro- most proximate, the people with whom we live, the people who we share s- certain interests, and that's, either that is not a bad thing, but when that convenience is challenged by the difficulties and the realities of the world, sometimes those friendships fall apart. We are reminded, though, today of the necessity of friendship, of having relationship, a deep, abiding relationship, not only with God, but with other people. A few weeks ago, I was reminded of the importance of friendship. One of the challenges of Dominican priesthood in particular is because we live an itinerant life, we move around quite a bit, we don't have a a set home like a monk or something like that, we don't necessarily spend time, a lot of time, with our friends and family. And so a few weeks ago when I was visiting my friends and family in St. Louis, I took an evening and went over to my best friend's house. And we spent the first half of the evening at his five-year-old son's t-ball practice, which is not really the most entertaining thing in the whole wide world, if I'm being totally honest. But we're sitting there, and we're chatting, and you know, it's just good to be with my friend. And we're talking about life and this that or the other thing and and his parish and he's telling me about how in his parish all of these friends from our high school have moved into this parish and he's telling me about this guy and that guy it was all guys we went to an all-guys Catholic high school in st. Louis and so I'm like oh how's this guy how's that guy and and uh, he says to me at one point he's like you know sometimes you come up in conversation and I was like oh wow really and he goes yeah no one can believe that you're a priest Like, I've been a priest for five years. And he's like, no, no, no one can still believe it. They always ask me that, It's my buddy talking, right? That guy, Pat, he's a priest? No way. I don't believe that. He was such a you-know-what back in the day. And my buddy, because he's my best friend, stands up for me. He stands up for me and he says, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, he's still a jerk. Don't worry, he's still a jerk. But he's not as much of a jerk as he was, right? My buddy is able to kind of bring levity and humble me in that moment, but also to show his love for me. He teases me a little bit and still calls me a jerk because in many ways I am and I need to change and repent and and be converted just like anyone else. I know I've changed, perhaps not as much as I would like, but he's standing up for me and loving me. And what a beautiful thing that is because this guy knows everything in my life. We've been best friends for 20 years. Everything that I've gone through since I was 14 years old, he has been there He knows my good side, but he also knows my bad side, and vice versa. And this is the type of love and friendship that is so imperative. This is the type of friendship and relationships that will change the world. Even Aristotle, the pagan philosopher, thousands of years ago said that a true friend is someone with whom we abide. He says this in the Nicomachean Ethics. Someone we choose to simply remain with that person. Not because we gain, this is me kind of summarizing here, not because we gain something, but because we recognize the goodness of the other. And what a blessing it is when someone who has seen our heart and knows us, even in our brokenness, even in our vulnerability, and chooses to still love us. In the first reading, St. Paul, Saul, still goes to Jerusalem, they want nothing to do with him. Why? Well, because the last time Saul was in Jerusalem, he was trying to put Christians to death. And, so, and he actually consented to the martyrdom of Stephen. So admittedly, they were a bit apprehensive. So what happens? Well, Barnabas, who has just been with Saul, who has witnessed Saul, who has gotten to know Saul, who has seen what God has done in Saul's life. Barnabas is his friend. Barnabas stands up for him. Barnabas loves him and vouches for him and shares with the apostles the story of Saul. And because of that, you and I are Christians. Because Barnabas had the guts to love his friend, to stand up in the face of adversity and animosity, Saul was able to make his case to the apostles. And the apostles heard it and were moved and sent him to the far reaches of the empire. And Paul went about the greatest evangelization work in the history of the world. And because of Paul's work and love, because of Paul's conversion, but perhaps even just as essential because of the friendship that Barnabas had with him. Now, in a few chapters later, Barnabas and Saul get into a fight and they go their separate ways. So it wasn't a perfect friendship. But because of the love that they had for one another that was rooted in the Lord, the world has changed, and you and I have the hope and the gift of the church and salvation. Thanks be to God. We need friends like this. We need to build these relationships. The way forward in this world is friendship. Friendship that is based not on what you give to me and how I gain something from you, but because you are beautiful, known, and loved. And it starts with friendship with God. As kind of saccharine sweet as that sounds, that we need to be best friends with Jesus, we need to be best friends with Jesus. Because it is only Jesus who loves us perfectly and abides with us perfectly. It is only Jesus who knows that thing we did last night that we would never tell anyone, and he still loves us. It's only Jesus who sees our deepest wounds and scars and hurts And still loves us and loves us all the more. That is the love and the power of the friendship that Jesus has for you and for me. And for you and me, we need to rest in that. We need to live in that reality. Jesus says in the gospel, apart from me, you can do nothing. And we need to get to that point in our faith life where we recognize, imperfect sinner that I am, Jesus loves me and has a plan for me. And I want nothing more than to do that, as simple or as great as it may be. And this is how we know and love God. And this is how we know and love other people. It's easier and easier to love someone else in his or her brokenness when we've been loved in our brokenness. This is the power of the sacrament of confession. Yes, it's frightening and fearful. We don't like to confess our sins. I get that. I don't like to confess my sins either. But the story of the sacrament of confession is not our guilt. It's God's love. That the light is on, the door is open, so that you can be loved in your greatest weaknesses and vulnerability. Thanks be to God. And so, friends, I offer you three things today. Finally getting to my point. (laughs) Three things. The first is this in our life, and in our friendships in particular. We need to prune, Jesus says in the gospel, those branches that don't bear fruit, are thrown away, those that do need to be pruned. And you and I have been pruned. And so first of all, we need to be pruned in our relationship with God. What does that look like? Jesus says in the gospel that you need to abide in the word. We need to spend time with Jesus and let him work on our hearts and cut those areas of our life and work on us and show us the way that we need to kind of move away from certain things and embrace others. But we also need to look at our own relationships and prune those as well. Sometimes that's easy, sometimes you recognize that, sometimes it's very hard. When I became a Dominican, almost all of my friends disappeared from my life. It was very painful, but I thank God for it because the friends who remained loved me and are still in my life, and I can talk with them about anything. Yes, I didn't have those friends with whom I could do X, Y, or Z, or who would, you know, we would laugh and all these crazy things in the same way, but the ones who remained were even stronger. So don't be afraid to prune in your relationship with Christ and in your relationship with others. The second thing is abide. Spend time in silence with God and spend time getting to know other people. How often in our life do we spend time with people but we never hear their story? Tell me about your biggest struggles and fears and difficulties and pains. Now, we don't do that with complete strangers, but when we abide with others, we must do that. And the third thing that I just want to encourage all of us to do in our relationship with God, and in our relationship with others, is strive to be fruitful. Strive to be fruitful, to be productive, to be a good steward of the gifts that you have and to try and multiply them in the world. To try and give to others what you have given, or what you have received, excuse me. When we spend time with the Lord, when we allow Him to prune us, when we abide with Him, when we desire fruitfulness, all of a sudden our life is changed. And we don't see ourselves as an island anymore, but we see ourselves as a part of the main, a part of the whole. The beauty of our Christian life, we see it right here, all of us gathered together from different places, different backgrounds, different experiences, gathered as one, united in Christ so that we can go forward and bring others into this good news of Jesus Christ. The thanks be to God. And the way forward to doing that is friendship. The friendship with the people who you came to Mass with tonight, the friendship with the people in the world, the friendship with Jesus. We are united not because we are particularly special or have some sort of like telepathic way of communicating with each other, but because we are united in the image and likeness of God, who desires to be our friend and who desires for us to be friends with others.